Hello my friends, welcome to the We Are TGF Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're keeping safe and well, and don't forget to hit the follow button so you know when we upload next. Hello my friends and welcome back to another episode of the We Are TGF Gaming Podcast. My name is Gamester and I am your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now a little bit of housekeeping for you. Yes, I didn't upload this episode last week. Instead I uploaded it this week right now because I had my daughter's birthday, then I had a birthday party over the weekend for her, and then we had another birthday stream for her as well, so it's been very, very busy in the Gamester household. So, now we can resume our normal routine, and the topic of today's conversation is going to be the future of gaming. So it's going to be an interesting one, that much I can guarantee. Now, of course, I am not here by myself. I have got a guest with me because otherwise it'd be a pretty boring podcast, me just talking to myself constantly, unless I was reading a book to you or something like that. So without further ado, let's introduce the absolute legend that is Taylor. Hello there, my friend. What is up, everybody? How's it going? It's going fantastic, mate. Yeah. Third time now, this isn't it? No, a second. This is no, the second time. I'm pretty sure this is the third time you've been on. Nah, I've not been on since August, which was the episode that I was on back in season one. Well, it's good to have you back. You've been a regular on my Twitch channel, and you ended up just turning into a really good friend as well, a good guy all around. So. For anyone who is listening to this who doesn't know who Taylor is, he is a fellow streamer over on Twitch and I am going to of course link all his socials and his Twitch channel in the description so I strongly suggest going and checking him out. Now without further ado, let's get started and we are going to be talking about the new technologies and all that kind of stuff later in this podcast. But for now, I want to know from you, Taylor, is there any technologies that you've heard or seen for gaming that you're really hyped up about? The Well, mostly I've been paying attention to the VR technologies that has been coming out, like haptics, treadmills, all that stuff. Yeah, I've seen that as well. There was that, it's like, well, it's, for want of a better word, it's a rig with, like, a upturned Calypso drum on the bottom, which is really slippery, and then it has that ring around uh, yeah, your that's, waist. That's the treadmill, yeah. Yeah, so you can literally run on the spot without moving anywhere in any direction and that is how you move in game yeah the i'm mostly excited for that because well currently right now yeah it's quite expensive but i'm more excited because one day in the future now that the technology is basically here 
Yeah. It can go cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and come down to the mainstream level. That's what I'm really excited for. Well, think about it. When we got introduced to things like the Quest and the Vive and mm. headsets like that for VR, they were all in the region of around six, seven hundred quid. Yeah. Or around a thousand dollars in American money. And Valve Index is a thousand. The HTC Vive goes for seven hundred, six hundred. Exactly. And, and now prices are going down, 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 thanks be- to Oculus. Yeah, because the components now are easily sourced and easily made and for cheaper to do exactly the same job. So we're mm. getting a massive reduction. And I mean, even if you go for the low end of PSVR, which... I've had a PSVR now for over two and a half years. I don't suggest getting it. I suggest paying the extra. No, pay the extra, the little bit extra that you have to pay and get the Quest because it's just infinitely better. I have been privileged enough now because my son has a Quest and I've been privileged enough to be able to try more than one headset and just see the massive difference now everyone who plays on quest constantly shits on the psvr because of how the resolution sucks and all this lot and i'm thinking it's not that bad now we have to take to account the psvr was the first mainstream vr headset yeah precisely and psvr was the one that bought VR to the mainstream first. Like you had HTC Vive and you had Oculus, which were making high end VR headsets at the time and were only compatible with PCs. Well, pretty expensive PCs for the time. Well, yeah. So seeing a VR headset come to such an affordable platform like the PlayStation. Yeah, it was, it was bringing VR to the masses. Yeah. And I genuinely believe it was a good starting point for me. But it's also it's like... It's showing its age, though. That's the one problem. Yeah, it runs at a very low uh, 720p. And when yeah. I say 720p, yeah, that's the resolution. But the output, the image output is not very crisp. It's not very clear. So, for example, a perfect one would be to say, if you play Star Wars Squadrons, it's a fantastic game, but it's all about dogfighting in space against other people or AI that are controlling their own little Star Wars spaceships. And on the PSVR... Sometimes if they go beyond a certain point in distance-wise, it's really hard to see where they went. Mm. Even with the little red marker to show that it's an enemy ship, it's really hard to see them. So it's hard to track exactly where they're going and to try and chase someone down and kill them on the game. So... I understand where people are coming from. And the best analogy I can give you is 
going from PSVR to an Oculus is like going from console gaming to a top-end PC. Mm. The difference, while you're playing on the console, you don't notice it because you're used to it. But as soon as you go onto a top-end PC, it's night and day. It's really stark how different how different it looks like when you when i got my quest i immediately noticed the resolution the frame rate difference yeah the quest 2 runs at 90 hertz compared to the 60 on psvr yeah so once you when you play games like beat saber or any game for that matter you can feel the difference yeah, and it's only when it lags mm-hmm. out a little bit that you think, oh, that was like playing P- on PSVR now. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so now that they've got PSVR 2 coming out, though, what do you think about that? I'm hyped. I really am hyped for the PSVR 2. Again, they've started the pricing at, I think, around 250 300 which I think is a really... That's, com- that's, that's a... Basically the same price as the old PSVR. Exactly. That's how much I paid for it. And when you put it side by side with things like the Oculus at the moment, is retailing at about, for the bog standard version, I think it's around 300. 300. So, yeah, it is sort of just beating the Quest. It's the more affordable option again. The only drawback with it is... You can pick up a quest and pretty play. much play it. Plug and play. Yeah, straight the away. Only, you don't need the anything. The only limitation that is holding the quest back, in my opinion, is that you have to have the app on your phone in order to use it. Exactly. That's the only problem. But, Other than that, it's literally plug and play. But everybody put has a phone. And boom, you're in. Yeah. That's the only problem. Whereas you can hook it up to a PC as well, and it's not limited by the PC's power anymore. Mm. So you can quite easily plug and play itself, or you can have the Oculus Link and link it up to your PC and then get modded games going on your Oculus and stuff like that. Whereas with the PSVR and the PSVR 2, you need a PS5 in order to play it. Which is... I think that's probably the worst part about it. Because I'm not dissing the PS5, but even to this day, people are still having problems in certain areas trying to get hold of one. Never mind the fact that it still costs quite a lot. Mm. And then you've got a PSVR 2 on top of that. It's just, it's a bit much. That's the reason why I just don't want to get the PS5 at the moment. Like, I'd rather spend a decent chunk of change on my PC at the moment than get a PS5, which costs 600, 700 pounds at the local CEX here. Uh, No, thank you. Well, the funny thing is... With the PS4, by this point in the PS4's lifespan that the PS5 is now, I was already wanting to buy it because there were so many games that I wanted to play. 
right now there is like two upcoming games and around three or four games that I really want to play and that's it. Mm. And that that's not really enough. The rest I can get on PC and they you will can... run better. The God of well the next God of War game, for example. Yep. That, that is one of them. Game, that's one game that yeah you can get hype for it on the PS5, but it's also going to be on PS4 as well. Yeah. So... And it's no longer... A, as an exclusive? It's not a full-timed exclusive anymore. It's a no. limited-timed exclusive. They've actually they confirmed it. They're going to yeah, bring so it to PC, yeah. I think it, they said either a year or two years later after release on the PS5, it's going to be re-released on PC. I'm thinking, see, so that sort of puts... Kaibosh on that one, it doesn't really count. The two that I'm wanting are the obvious ones for me. Anybody who knows me knows what I want to play, and that is the new Dead Space remake and the Callisto Protocol. My most excited games on the PS5 at the moment is Spider Man 2 and Wolverine. But that's only. Spider-Man 2 only releases in 2023, and Wolverine doesn't even have a release date yet. So, I don't really see a point getting a PS5 at the moment. I'll just wait until more games come out. And there's one game that I would love to play on it that's already been released, and that's Ratchet & Clank, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I'll have to get the PS5 in order to complete my Ratchet & Clank collection. But... I'll just hold on it for the moment. But it was like it was for the Xbox. I didn't want to get an Xbox simply so I could play Forza Motorsport and Sea of Thieves, and that was it. I wasn't going to buy a console just for one or two games. But all the Xbox games are on the Xbox store on PC. Yeah, there is a few that are on console only and a few that are on pc only but Mm. yeah the pc can just do so much more than the console can yeah like infinitely more it's just it's the better platform they call it the master race for the next generation of pc hardware releases this year and next year so yeah exactly it's gonna be getting even more powerful well i done a bit of research and i have been looking into what the professionals the experts are all saying is going to be the future of gaming now there is one from bulletin.com and they've done a really really good article on what the future of gaming looks like i am going to link everything that i refer to i am going to link all the articles and everything in the description so if you want and you don't think we've touched upon everything it's probably because we haven't so if you want to read the articles in their entirety then go and check them out by following the link in the description but the first thing that they actually mention is exactly what we've just mentioned virtual reality and the way that it will be changing because of the graphical important 
thoughts that we have when it comes to games now or mm. the weight that we put on developers saying it needs to look a certain quality for it to be successful and the gaming industry is now growing by at least uh, 8.9% per year so at the well, end yeah at the end of the year 2020 i think it was up hang on i've got the information here actually yeah it grew in 2020 while covid had hit 12 percent so that meant a worldwide taking of 139.9 billion and that was up from 120.1 billion in the previous year of 2019 so yeah it the yeah, VR gaming, definitely blew up in 2020 yeah the gaming market is growing exponentially and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down now because of that people wanting more and more and more we are a content content hungry generation of gamers at the moment so mm -hmm. we need to keep pushing the envelope and making things better than they currently are now i'll just read a snippet of what the virtual reality section of this article actually says because i i've read through the entire thing and i think it's a really good read and i do strongly suggest going and checking it out it says for decades virtual reality has tantalized gamers with the prospect of fully immersive experiences but the technology has been slow to deliver on that promise now just as a side note what people don't seem to realize is virtual reality has been a thing since the early 1990s yeah except back then it was so ridiculously expensive and the actual games that you could play were so basic it was like it was like minecraft before it even got its textures it was really just blocks and it didn't look like much of anything but they were all saying at the time, look what we can do now. And it looks like you're actually there. It tracks your head and all this lot. And again, that was using the same technology that PSVR has been using for quite a while, using a camera and using lights or sensors on the helmet. And yeah, that was a full like Robocop style helmet back then as well. <laughs> Anyway, it says uh, Polygon, Polygon's Ben Karucha put it bluntly last year, VR has been five minutes away from some kind of breakthrough for about eight years. VR is still a niche category when compared to the rest of the gaming industry. It accounted for less than half a percent of all gaming sales in 2020. And despite its busy, buzzy status... It continues to give mo many more consumers pause. Right now, we're sort of in this trough of disillusionment about VR. Kevin Mack, a VA, VR game developer, told Built-in in 2020, "There is a lot of hype in it. Uh, in in it around. I'll start that sentence again. There is a lot of hype around it in." 
2015 and 2016 and then the whole world sort of got butthurt that the first generation Bihar headset didn't instantly morph into the holodeck and yeah I, that's the bit that was a very very significant sentence within that article for me I think back then when VR was first sort of notified to people come into the mainstream no before it even got to the mainstream just when they said look this is the future of technology and stuff like that i think everyone was automatically expecting it to be something like star wars or star trek and you could walk into a hollow deck soon within the next 20 years or something like that and then yeah they all got butt hurt when they couldn't and it was just a headset that you put on and you could look around. But I think one step at a time. Do you think that there is a a parallel between what people saw back then and what they imagined VR could be? Uh, I'm not actually entirely sure. Because... Once you actually try VR for the first time, you know, like, you could immediately tell the, like, oh, blah, can't speak properly. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's contagious. The, depending on the game that you play, obviously, like, yeah. you could get immersed in very quickly. I can name a few games in particular. Half-Life is one. That new Resident Evil 4 game that I mentioned about. Yes. Those are very immersive games. Well, they'd need to be as well, wouldn't they? Mm. Simply because of the story standpoint, they need to be immersive. Once you actually try an immersive game, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, now I can see what VR can actually become. Yeah, I think... The moment for me when I first got a VR was when I played a game called uh, Rush of Blood. Rush of Blood, yes. It's the spin-off from... Until Dawn. Until Dawn, that's it. It was the spin-off, the VR spin-off from the normal game. Rush of Blood was amazing. And I used to have a beanbag, and I sat on the beanbag with the VR headset on, and I was using the move controllers and everything. And I remember, because it for anyone who doesn't know, Rush of Blood, it's built around the house and in the same universe and the same place as the Untold. It's Untold. a roller coaster ride, but, basically. Yeah, it's, it's like going through a ghost train or something where you've got two guns and you've got to kill everyone that's attacking you. So. Yeah, when I yep. went down that first sort of the fast section where you go over the top of the track and then you go downwards into like a cavern. And I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it, but as you go down, I did genuinely find myself sat on my beanbag sort of leaning back as if I could feel the G-force hitting me even though there was nothing hitting me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was the defining moment for me where I thought, actually, there's something in this. 
there's something in this VR thing that I I get it now. I do. I understand it. Before then, I was just seeing loads of clips of people playing Resident Evil, funnily enough, and shitting themselves. And then I played it. And I then didn't you sh- actually realize it. Yeah, and you I don't didn't, realize, didn't shit myself, but yeah, after you playing don't through realize it. realize it until you actually try it. Yeah, it is one what, of those. You know, most people don't. Well, most people I noticed that hate on VR probably hasn't tried it, at least. Because once yeah. you actually play one immersive title, then you realize, oh, wait. Like the Plank game. Yeah. Everybody sees that. Ricky's on... Plank experience. Yeah, I remember yeah. putting my mom into that game one time. <laughs> Everyone goes mental and starts going, oh, you're a fucking pussy. You're a fucking pussy. You're just walking along a plank. No, and then I... put on the head, yeah. the VR headset. But when you put on the <laughs> VR headset and you can feel the plank underneath your feet, it tricks your brain into thinking you are actually there. And if you fall off, you're dead. Yeah. And that's a very real fear. So even though you've got it in the back of your mind that you're safe, there's nothing that can happen to you. The fear is still present. So, yes, to us, we're just looking at someone wearing a headset, walking down a plank and shitting themselves, and it's funny and it's entertaining, but until you put that headset on, don't diss anyone that is doing it, because I guarantee you'll probably react the same. The person comes up saying, oh, why are you getting so scared? It's literally just a plank. Yeah. Okay, fine. Put on the VR headset and then then you'll have second thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> and this is the point that I wanted to make as well, because it is becoming more and more mainstream. As the years go on, more and more people are getting into virtual reality. Remember, there wasn't that many people at the beginning, but they carried on producing just the PSVR, the affordable headset and the Quest, and they carried on producing them because people keep buying them. If people didn't like it, they wouldn't buy it. But at the end of the day, you've got friends who turn around and say, Check this out, mate. Check, Yeah, have a go, have a go. A perfect example is my friend Phil. He came here, he played Russia Blood. And watching his reaction when he first started playing it and fell off the aforementioned beanbag, literally fell off it. Oh, shoot. And when I saw him do that, it was such a good experience for me to see somebody's el- uh, somebody else's reaction. And then he went out, and he's now got one. He now owns one himself. The... Because of that experience. Like, all these games, Ricky's Plank Experience, Russia Blood, those are, like, really fun party games. Yes, they really are. And, and then you've got the solo the immersive headset, ones. You yeah. watch everyone... Well, no. Well, you watch the player play the game, and... It's like the most hilarious experience ever seeing them like shit themselves from the fear. Yeah. Are they afraid of heights? 
Okay, put them in Rinky's bank experience. And- <laughs> <laughs> I watched them squirm. Yeah. Oh, do you hate killer clowns? Okay, fine. Put them in Russia blood. Let's see if how they yeah. well that. Do you like jump scares? Right. Well, there's a Friday night at Freddy's for you. That kind of thing. Yeah, it's just Farpoint also has jump scares yeah, in the story. Yeah, it does. See, I remember pre-ordering that game. Well, I didn't pre-order on the PS uh, PS store. I bought it physically. I pre-ordered it with the aim controller. And the day that it arrived, I just plopped in the disc on the PlayStation, launch up the aim controller, and just play. And was it a terrifying experience, I'll tell you, if you've played the story of Farpoint. Yes. I have, and yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. But that will now bring us on to the second bit of technology, which most people along every single country have played at some point. I haven't, but I have been fully aware of it because it took the world by storm. I am referring to, of course, augmented reality. Now, the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality is augmented reality is exactly the same in the position of you take your real-world surroundings and then you layer the game over the top. Now, the reason I say the masses have already played it is because the most famous one that was released was a little Android and iOS game called Pokemon Go. And people are still playing it to this day. It got people out of their houses, walking around to try and catch a Pokemon in the middle of God knows where. And it was just simply layering over your real world environment with your Pokemon game. So, it also gets you traveling as well. Not exactly. just going out walking and stuff. Yeah, precisely. every country and stuff might have their own Pokemon. You never know. I was... Well, there is a reason that AR is becoming more mainstream than VR. One, it's more affordable because, as I said earlier, everyone has got a phone. Yeah. And that is very, very easy to make an app that uses augmented reality, whereas VR tends to be a lot more expensive. So have you actually played pokemon go yourself yes i did when it first came out and what did you think it was actually pretty fun like just walking around the streets well not on the streets but like walking around the place catching different pokemon it's quite fun well i am i wasn't particularly good at it but Well, I'm going to quote a bit more of the article for you here. Uh, They say, I think the entertainment experiences in AR aren't going to try and be immersive experiences. When I was playing, this is by someone called Mac, I would play in specific places just because there was a Pokemon there. And that's a powerful social driver. Further out in the neighborhood, rather than deeper inside goggles, was the X Factor that led to the network effect that propelled Pokemon Go into a multi 
billion dollar phenomenon. Its success will no doubt inspire more game studios to try and capitalize on the consumer demand for games that blend virtual with the real. And, yeah. Probably Five Nights at Freddy's was also one that was inspired by Pokemon Go. Because Five Nights at Freddy's has a mobile game called Special Delivery, which I've played as well. Well, there's been lots of others as well, haven't there? There has been, mm. I believe there's a Digimon one. Where you can buy the little toys. I think it's where you could buy the little toys. I think there's one called Skylanders or something like that, I think it's called. Oh, oh yeah, Skylanders as well, well, yeah. Yeah, you buy the toys, you put them onto the mount, which you've already bought as the game, as it came with the game. And then you could literally use, uh, like, your Switch or something like that, or your DS... Oh yeah, uh, was it XDS, XDS or something like that? And it was just a different way to play. You use your camera, you use augmented reality to sort of battle with your little toys against your friends' little toys who probably had something different. And it was just a whole different way of playing. So... Mm. What do you think the future is going to be when it comes to augmented reality then? What I'm would you, what would you sure. like to see? What would I like to see? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not entirely sure. I've not really experienced too much augmented reality to form an opinion on it. The only augmented reality games that I've played were Pokemon and Finite Freddy's. For me, I had an idea that you could tell me if you think it's got any weight to it, but I actually really like the idea of it. Whether it'd be the same in practice is different, Mm, but it's where where it'd blend VR and AR. So what I'm talking about is the VR part of it would be you're still wearing a headset, with augmented reality so you can see your surroundings now anyone who's played with an oculus will be able to know what that's like because while oh, you're well, wait yeah now that i'm thinking about that yeah that's also coming into practice as well yeah because, because... you've got you've got to set up your environment haven't you you've got to the... limit the space and all this lot so mm. you know you're not going to jump in you know bump into something while you're in your living room yeah well the... there is now I don't know if you've heard about it. There is now a VR experience where there's normally just a big room and you and up to a certain amount of other players can all strap on a headset and then walk about free roam in this massive room and play in a VR game, usually as a co-op team. But I thought, wouldn't it be good if there was like a warehouse or something like that that was built up inside like a paintball arena or something along those lines with actual blocks and boxes and everything but with nothing on the boxes it was just you know obstacles there and then in game you would see everything real around you apart from the bullets coming out of your guns that you might have or 
the boxes are painted up like in I don't know, like you could have just a wall, but in game it'd look like a poster, like a billboard wall or something like that. And you could literally run around and know where all the different objects were and move around them at will and play, say, 4v4 within that kind of environment. So yeah, that it actually it, sounds pretty good. It would be a mixed environment where the augmented part would be you seeing your friends like on the opposite team or something like that. But there would be the VR aspect of it covering some of the real world objects with game, like game layering. Mm. And I think we're not that far off having the technology to successfully implement that. But no, before... actually, the I think I heard about this. Facebook is actually working on special chips for augmented reality. Like, yeah. just completely separate from the regular processor on the Quest. And, it work, and they work coincide together. I think I heard something about that somewhere. I just think it would be the natural progression, don't you? Mm. Mixing virtual reality and augmented reality as one cohesive sort of engine because what's better than real life real life with no barriers so mm. to speak we don't go walking out of our house and start firing fireballs out of our hands at people because it's impossible you can't do that mm. in the AR and VR world you could literally do that with other people also playing the game. Mm. And I just think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. There would have to be safety precautions put in place, of course, like yeah. anything, because you can always trust the minority to fuck it up for the majority. There are some stupid people out there. But, yeah, I think that would be the next the next obvious step within that sort of field. The next one, though, I wanted to touch upon is artificial intelligence. Now, AI is, is something that's been getting developed for a very long time, even in games. Yeah. I, I mean, there was... They're running demos at DICE just for the AI alone. They've got a whole department dedicated to creating better AI. NVIDIA and, also is an artificial intelligence company. Well, yeah, because they need to. a lot of AI stuff. What are you referring to exactly, though? The... You know, like... The graphics cards that NVIDIA makes. Yeah. They have AI chips in the newer graphics cards. They've been working with Tesla. Yeah, Tesla. I've got something about them very, very soon. I'll leave that coming up in very 
in the next bit of the article, shall we say. But Everything yeah. now revolving their newest graphics cards is basically about AI. Yeah, because the processing power doesn't do it anymore. Now we've got to have uh, machine learning is becoming more and more prevalent as the yeah. technology advances. We can't keep like getting people to run code. We need to have machine learning which will adapt and overcome its small issues which will save well it'll save a millisecond but once it's done that several thousand times it's saving a few seconds each time and the budget could well could become smaller for games as well yeah i think the best analogy would be uh, ssds compared to hdds yeah that it was just an innovative way of reading the same data from the same space, but on a smaller scale and a faster and a scale. Faster one. Yeah. So now we've got much better computer, computing speeds, which it was already pretty damn fast. But as I said, we're a content hungry generation of gamers and we're always wanting more, more, more. Mm. The next, there's we'll gadget freaks the out best. there, isn't there? Yeah, strive for the best and then go beyond that and strive for the next goal. True. Now, I would love to hear what anybody else has got to say about AI. And I know there are companies that specialize in AI and AI alone. They don't even bother with anything else. They concentrate on the AI aspect. There's robotics side of things. There is the gaming side of things. There's even AI in the entertainment industry now. So I I would really love to hear from somebody. If you are listening to this and you are from one of them fields and you work closely with AI, I would love to get you onto the podcast and just pick your brains about how significant AI is and the impact that it could have on the gaming industry as a whole. The gaming industry is growing and I see AI as being an integral part of that. It needs to grow because obviously there are always going to be NPCs in pretty much any game that we play and the more intelligent they are... It's hard to get good NPCs though. Exactly. You're still going to get NPCs walking into walls or just saying that's the same why, lines over and over again. I get that's that. That's why GTA 5 is quite popular in the NPC department. Yeah, because at the time it so was much. pretty groundbreaking. I think it still is to be fair. Probably, I'm not sure. But I remember when it first released it used to be like quite groundbreaking with how lifelike the NPCs were like yeah so for anyone who is in the field of AI please get in touch and for anyone else who wants to ask a question or give your input then you can do exactly that just email me at wertgf at gmail.com that's it wertgf all one word at gmail.com I read a reply to every message that I get. Now then, on to the next one. B. 
because otherwise we could be talking about AI for a long time. There's a lot in the AI field. But this is one AI that is very, very, yeah, there is, there is now one thing that a lot of people are turning to, and that's cloud gaming. Cloud gaming, for anybody who doesn't know, means you don't have to download the game. You don't have to download anything. You You're will, streaming it. Yeah, you will it's stream like Netf- it. It's like Netflix, Prime Video, Disney Plus, but for gaming, basically. Yeah. So everyone, there is currently a big tech race going on right now uh, underneath the surface that most people don't know about. And it is the race to bring the first decent cloud gaming platform. Now we've got Stadia. They were the first ones that tried to dip their toe in the pond to be the first ones out there. And on paper, Stadia sounds so good. It just sounds awesome. You stream your games directly to your TV via this small Stadia console. But for the well, Chromecast, yeah, it's also supported by the newer Chromecast sticks. But the latency, the input lag, is just not great at all. And if you lose connection, even for a moment, boom game gone so you need to have a decent internet you need need to have a decent connection which is stable to that internet then you need the access to the game that you're wanting to play then it's just a case of the actual cloud being able to give you that information quick enough then you've got the input lag on top of that now for anyone who doesn't know what input lag is Because you are currently on your PC or on your console, when you input anything with the mouse, the keyboard, your controller, it's pretty much instant. You don't get any lag. When you press forward, your character will walk forward. Whereas with cloud gaming, when you press forward, you are sending a signal to the cloud. The cloud has to then register that and send you a signal back to move your character. And that is what input lag is. Sometimes if you've got bad connection, you will press up and it will take a few seconds or you'll get some packet loss and you won't move forward as much as you want to or you won't move at all for about two seconds and then it will catch up. And that's input lag. So when you're playing high pardon me high intense game high octane intense games like call of duty titanfall apex anything like a shooter game them split second decisions mean yeah they mean a lot it's the difference between you peeking your head around the corner for a split second to see if you could see anyone and that input lag making you just sidestep out out from cover into no cover and then just stand there while you wait for it to catch up or it mean it could even mean you moving into cover as bullets are coming flying at you but because it doesn't register it quick enough even though you were quick enough to input the command 
you still die. So, yeah, it's sort of built from the ground up. But I don't know if we're there yet. What do you reckon? Do you reckon we are ready for cloud gaming? or? No, no, I don't think we're ready yet. As much as I want cloud gaming to succeed, it seems good on paper. But right now, no, we're not ready for it. Internet speeds are not good enough yet. I do think that is the future, though. Would yes. you agree? Yes, yes, I do agree, yes. It is going to become more and more mainstream as time goes on. But at the moment, I do not think we're ready yet. I would I would have to agree. Personally, I've, I've been there from the start of the gaming revolution, you might call it, where people would go out, they'd queue up around the block at midnight on a certain night just to get their hands on a new releasing game. Now... We can pre-install it. So we've already gone digital now. There's yeah. no physical copies. People still collect them, of course, but there's no physical copies of games anymore. Most people, I think around, I think 78% of game purchases are now digital. So we've already moved to that digital side of things where you don't really own the game you own a license that says you can play the game whenever you want so when you're purchasing a game online you're just purchasing the license or the key mm. for the download file that's it you're not really purchasing anything tangible that you can hold in your hands it's not like the that PC anymore is a completely digital platform even yeah. if you buy a disc you still have to install it digitally. Yes. Because the discs, at the end of the day, the discs don't hold enough now. Yeah. I mean, it would be far simpler and far much more cost-effective, I would believe, to just have USB drives in your case instead mm. that you could plug in rather than buying a disc or a series of discs because you can hold i think even on a blu-ray i think you can only hold around 16 gigabytes on a blu-ray disc yeah it's not most games now are around 50 gigabytes at least well most triple a games are uh, there's yeah triple a games are even more i mean cod for example is around 150 gigabytes if you download everything. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> that would be a series of about 20 discs or something like that just for all the <laughs> DLC and everything. It's just not feasible anymore. So yeah. now that we've gone digital or the majority of people have gone digital, I think cloud gaming is going to be the way to go. And... I've got to give Stadia and Google, the developers behind Stadia, some credit and say, well done for trying. I just don't think it, that we're quite there yet. So PS Now was the pioneer of it, though. Yeah. And that's what started it all. Exactly. If you differ with your opinions, of course you can get in contact with us. Now, one that... <coughs> 
one that I was blown away about uh, last year now. And it was me seeing the new Unreal Engine 5. Now, we all saw the Unreal demo of the girl walking through all the ancient ruins within the desert. But it's hard to really put your head around it. And there was mm. no moving parts apart from a few rolling rocks. It was basically to show off the lighting more than anything else and the ray tracing technology that was coming, which was fantastic. But then we saw the Matrix demo built with Unreal Engine 5, a dynamic lighting and decent AI with nighttime, daytime cycles where people behave differently at night than they did during the day. It was staggering. And it was the turning point of photorealistic graphics or high fidelity graphics now i'm going to just quote a little bit more of this article because i think it's very interesting the way he puts it in the pursuit of ultra realistic graphics video games have come a long way pc gaming companies like nvidia and amd have made great strides in creating graphics cards that allow for high fidelity gaming and techniques like ray tracing in the past, things like shadows and reflections and even lens flares were essentially painted onto the objects within a game to give the illusion of light. This gave the illusion that the light was coming from the sun or the moon or re reacting as it would when it hits a surface. With ray tracing, the algorithm basically allows it to actually do just that. The technology is expected to be a game changer if only the consumers are able to get their hands on it. A chip shortage has plagued the industry for much of 2020 and 2021 and that's mostly due to the sudden rise in popularity of cryptocurrency mining which relies on the same hardware. But not all the games of the future will be designed for such realistic graphics especially not the indie games. Now the way that he touches upon that is exactly right. This is still going to be kept out of reach of the indie developers. But there are more and more affordable ways going to be brought in. So in the very mm. near future, even the indie games are going to look absolutely amazing. I, I have also seen quite a few people who just do it as a passion project who will just build a scene. It could be a, a house in a forest, or it could be a camera just panning past a building with different things going on in each of the rooms when you're looking through the windows. Little things like that are what makes it look amazing, and it's all done because of the way that Unreal Engine 5 has been working. What do you think to Unreal Engine 5? Have you used it yet or have you seen it or what has been created with it? I actually have both used it and seen people used it. I well, When the Matrix Unreal Engine 5 demo got released onto the PC, I tried it out on my PC and it is amazing. Yeah, I'm not even running on 
the same graphical settings as you, and I found it staggeringly good. Yeah. The also the... that's without ray, ray tracing for anyone who's not aware. <laughs> and I've also seen the streamer called Riku VR also using Unreal Engine Five for his streams. He has a well. He uses Unreal Engine Five for VTubing. Yes. And. He build well every single Monday. He would stream him adding more and more stuff to his office on Unreal Engine. Do you want to do our listeners a favor and just explain what VTubing is for those who don't know? So, VTubing the well, a VTuber is a virtual avatar where instead of like having a face cam on your streams and stuff, the VTubers would use a model for like as their character basically. Popular streamers like uh Code Miku, Riku VR, Dandy Floss, um uh, Gorgora, they're all VTubers. I suggest looking all of them up if you want to check them out. They're all amazing streamers. And I will second that. So, you, you see it a lot on Beat Saber. Yes. Because... Yeah, Beat when Saber is a very popular game for VTubers. Yeah, because when you are, are actually playing on Beat Saber, most people that are looking and watching your gameplay, the same as you, are looking from the viewpoint of your headset. So, they, unless you're looking down at your hands, you don't really see the sabers. You just see the ends of the sabers hitting the blocks, and that's yeah. pretty much it. So, if you came to my stream when I'm playing Beat Saber, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the ends of the sabers hitting the blocks. However, in the VTubers streams, they are able to move the camera out pull back, place the camera wherever they want, sync it up with the VTuber or their avatar on screen so it looks like the avatar is holding the sabers and then the avatar can then hit the blocks as they're coming. So it's like you're watching the streamer's avatar hitting the blocks as they come down the highway towards you know, them. Mix, well, you know, mixed reality. Yeah. Where you are transported into the game. It's like that, but instead of using yourself in the world, <coughs> you're an avatar. Yeah. That's basically what VTubing is. That was something I wanted to get to as well. Do you think we are far away from the Ready Player One kind of metaverse. Now, for anyone who, anyone who doesn't know, Ready Player One is a Steven Spielberg film that was an absolute smash at the box office, and it was all about gaming. If you've seen it, you'll know what we're talking about. If mm -hmm. you haven't, I strongly suggest 
going and watching it just for all the Easter eggs, if nothing else. Because if you like gaming, you will love the film. Do you reckon we are quite far away from it? Or do you reckon we're actually closer than we think to getting to that stage? I think we're pretty close. So do I. If I'm honest, I think maybe 10, 15 years away from getting to some kind of basic version. And around 20 to 25 away from seeing it in its, in, in, in its entirety like that. With the rate that technology is moving. Yeah. That is my new message tone. That's my daughter. <laughs> so, yes. That is bringing us neatly onto the metaverse. Now, as the article says, no discussion of the future of gaming would be complete without mentioning the metaverse. A the theatrical concept that has dazzled many of the world's foremost tech companies. The concept, popularised by author Neil Stevenson in his 1992 science fiction book Snow Crash, the metaverse is best understood as an online cyberspace. And that is pretty much exactly like what we've just been talking about mm. with Ready Player One. It is a parallel virtual realm where everyone can log in and live out their second lives. Ideally, the metaverse will combine both virtual and augmented reality, have its own functioning economy, and allow people to complete intro intrapolitic... Intro I can't say the word. <laughs> Basically, it makes you live out both of your lives as one, as a whole. Mm. So you have your virtual self or your digital self and your real self. The metaverse, like the internet, will be used for more than just gaming. It might incorporate office work as well. So no more commuting to your office when yeah, you could just it, log in. Coming. Yeah, that... Now, of course... Facebook is actually starting to bring the Oculus to businesses. The yes, a lot it's of being brought to schools features. as well. There's a lot of business features releasing on the Quest Two quite a lot recently. Exactly, like the fact that you can basically have meetings in workrooms, or you can control your computer natively on the headset. You can yeah. bring your IRL keyboard into the Quest 2. Well, now, I reckon there is a very, very strong possibility that that is going to happen fairly soon. Because it's the next logical step when it comes to gaming mm. to sort of... Even when you make a game which is truly immersive in every sense of the word, you are still looking at it on a screen. Or even when you've got the headset on, you're still looking at it via a VR stream or that kind of thing. There is always going to be that disconnect. But there are a lot of companies out there, like the rig that we mentioned earlier, which is trying to develop technologies 
that are going to put you more into, into that world. Yeah, into that gaming world. Short of jabbing needles into the side of your head through your temple and just downloading the image straight into your brain, which is not <laughs> not advised. Short of that, which what a lot of films back in the noughties and the 90s were trying to say that's how it was going to ha- happen. Nah, it's not going to happen like that. That's too invasive. But there are now a lot of companies, and that brings us on to some of the new technologies that I found which are really, really interesting to me. Now, you can tell me if you have already been made aware of these, what you think, and, of course, you can tell me what you would like the most. We've all seen them massive rigs, like the one that's suspended from the ceiling for racing games, and you can sit in a seat, and as you're going around the corners, it will bank and it will move to give you that effect of G-force. These are all really, really good, but they're extremely expensive, and they will not come down in price anytime soon to something that the average man or woman can afford. However, mm-hmm. there are places like Tesla that are trying their best to make sure that they develop affordable technologies that we're all going to be able to try at some point. One of these is the the biometric suit. And it is absolutely astounding what they have managed to do. Obviously, it looks very good. But there are going to be flaws, and once they've worked them out, and they've got the costs down, it's just going to be very, very good. Now, if you don't know what a biometric suit is, it is a suit that you wear full from your neck to your feet. And across the entire suit, it has a (coughs) lot of motion sensors. And little devices that will send very minor electric shocks to your body. So if you are getting wind going across you within the game, you will feel the wind on your body. If you're submerging your like half of your body in a river within the game, you will be able to feel the bottom half of your body tingling like it was under the water. That kind of thing. Now, here is what Tesla is actually saying about it. The Tesla suit is a human-to-digital interface designed to monitor human behavior and improve performance. Comprised of three major systems, the full-body haptics are to recreate real-life touch full body motion capture to understand movement and the biometric sensors to give real-time information on the human mental and physical state. So the the, in the entire suit is even able to understand when you're sweating too much, when you're getting anxious, that kind of thing, because of the chemicals and everything that your suit, your body will release into the suit. The haptic feedback, Tesla suit's full body haptic feedback system 
uses electromuscle stimulation or EMS and translucinous electrical nerve stimulation or TENS. Now, the TENS is the same as what pregnant women will use. That's called a TENS machine and they will normally have it strapped to their abdomen when they are getting close to being in labor. So when you've got contractions and yeah, your body's starting to get ready for labor, the TENS machine will help to sort of not stop it, but make it more manageable because obviously it's going to be painful. Mm. So that's what they use TENS machines for. And that's been used for ages now, for years. You also get the same kind of TENS machines that are more powerful and people, you've probably seen the adverts, people use them for health benefits when it comes to toning up their abdomens or their neck muscles, their shoulders, their back, their arms, that kind of thing. They strap them on and then it's like being shocked, which makes you tense your body up and then it'll stop and then it'll do it again. And that kind of thing happening for 10 minutes is the same equivalent to you doing push-ups or press-ups or something like that. So, that's where it comes from. That's to use the TENS machines to stimulate a range of real-life feelings and sensations. Using this system, the Tesla suit can provide physical feedback based on the visual stimulation that may be experienced on a flat screen or immersive reality devices. It's even got motion capture built in. And this is including your arms, your legs, your torso, your hands, everything. So you will be able to link that up with some kind of gaming apparatus. And you will not have to hold anything in your hands. You won't have to hold motion controllers or anything. They will be able to track your hands individually, even your fingers. And that will be in the game itself. So I can see that being very popular among VR chat players. Yes, exactly. It's for full body. It will record your body movement. It's got biomechanical analysis built in. It's got positional tracking as well. So everything is there. We are right on the precipice of what we see in Ready Player One. In Ready Player One, you see the main character from the story take his gaming up to the next level because he manages to buy a suit. And he buys that suit in the real world with currency that he's earned in-game. So, yeah... If we can move that over to the real world for a moment, that, I think, is going to be the next step. That's the future of gaming right there. A separate world where we can go in, we can do whatever we want. The only concern that I have got, because that's basically me blowing smoke up their ass, saying this is going to be awesome. But you've got to also think of the bad points. While you're in a different world, you're fooling your body into thinking you are there. 
this works with everything. Yeah. So people could get very dehydrated because even with the technology advancing, you could even taste things, smell things within the game world. That's a natural progression to this suit. But doing that would trick your brain into thinking you've actually drank something or you've actually eaten something and you haven't which means there would be a lot of people who could get very dehydrated very quickly or would literally starve themselves because they wouldn't want to come out of the game world. Yep. This is a problem. How do you think that should be tackled? I honestly don't even know. How would you tackle it? What's what's your first initial thought? Me personally, I'd, I'd say that, yeah, I'd say some kind of timer, you know, where the suit mm. shuts off and says, no, you've been playing for eight hours, you need to stop, go to bed, kind of thing. Most, no, well, most gaming devices should just do that, personally. I just say, hey, look, listen, you've exceeded your intended play time for the day like yeah you just set a timer what you know, on each day saying okay how long do you want to play on next day okay i want to play for five hours on wednesday oh it's wednesday you've played for five hours time for you to get off yeah i think that should be done for all like sort of devices well, the biometric system is <clears throat> obviously the the one that regulates everything. Now, it says here the Tesla suit's biometric system provides a deep and readable set of information aimed at understanding the physical and emotional state of the user. The photo... Okay, the PPG system gives information about the cardio system by calculating the user's BPM and the SPO2 ratio. Moreover, the system provides consecutive cardio cycles during data that can be used for HRV analysis. Now, the way it does that is by monitoring your heartbeats per minute, your oxygen or your saturation level, your R&R, that's your pulse, intervals and your stress or the level of recognition that it gives you for that stress so if your heart rate starts to increase rapidly they know your stress they know you're in an anxious position and if it gets too high you can probably set a cutoff or something like that they say it's one size fits all but i do not believe that at all that's i it. don't believe anything that says one size fits all yeah because it's just not it's just that, not that's not possible exactly like one thing that fits me is not going to fit someone like dan and one thing that fits dan is not going to fit someone like you and what fits you is not going to fit someone like Johnsy or pixie we are all different heights shapes statures it, shoe size yeah, even right down to the size of the feet. It's, yeah, it's not going to be one size fits all. I do not believe that. 
It'll be one size fits all if you're the average person. Yes. But none of us are really that average. I I wear a size 11 shoe. So I don't think anyone below below or over size 11 is would be able to fit it. Right, the next bit of tech that I wanted to cover is an interesting one. Ooh. It's the hollow lens. That's what it's called, hollow lens. It's kind of like a headset, but instead of going completely over your face, it's just a headset that goes over your eyes like glasses. Oh, is that the one by Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that. Now, the HoloLens is going to be redefining for a very good reason. Anyone who's seen films like Minority Report will know exactly what I mean. In Minority Report, he puts on a very, very slick pair of shades. This is Tom Cruise I'm talking about. And then he has, like, gloves on that go over the end of his fingers so he can interact with a screen that's not really there. It's just... Like a hologram perfect, uh, a hologram projection of a screen in front of him, and when he swipes to the left, it swipes whatever he's touching to the left, and when he like grabs hold of it, pinches it, and then extends his arms outwards, it makes it larger. If he retracts it again, it makes it smaller. It, that kind of thing. This is now reality with these goggles. Uh, I think that's probably what you could call them you will get hologram, holographic projections on the lenses of the glasses, and when you touch them, they will interact with you, which means that you can use it along with, say, your business partners in a chair meeting for your business, and you can actually give projections, or you can get a cityscape up when you want to try and build some new buildings you can show people what you want to create within a game for example just by showing them and everybody can see a 3d sculpture of that and i think that is brilliant it's what everyone in the films and tv series and everything have been hoping would happen for the last 20 to 30 years and they said everyone the future is going to look like this well now it's actually a reality mm-hmm. now what it says on the actual site is you can act with precision remain focused on safely completing tasks error free with hand tracking built-in voice commands eye tracking spatial mapping and large field of view Yes, the hand tracking is fully articulated hand tracking with touch, grasp and move holograms in ways that feel natural. HoloLens 2 adapts to your hands so holograms respond like real objects would. You can collaborate without boundaries by connecting with the remote colleagues in real time and work together on a holographic canvas overlaid in a physical environment to quickly resolve issues on the spot. So you don't even have to be in the same room as other people using it. Oh, that sounds interesting. 
Exactly. As long as it's a regulated environment, so environments that you've already set up that you can do it with, you can do it. I think that this is groundbreaking and I would love to see that become part of the next augmented game that we would see within the gaming industry. Mm. Having them kind of holograms and being able to play with them kind of holograms within your own space would just be like mind-boggling to me. What do you reckon? I'm actually pretty excited for anything that implements technology like the HoloLens. Yeah. Because ever since HoloLens came out, like, years ago, like, the first version, I've always loved it. Exactly. I I just think that... It feels quite groundbreaking. I think it is. I I've actually thought about things like this for a long time and yeah now to see that companies are actually making it a reality just mind blown i'm i'm actually i was joking about it with pixie the other day isn't it funny apart from the holodeck and the replicators everything that star trek has ever predicted has eventually come true the only thing that we cannot do at the moment is go and interact with holograms in a hollow deck or magically get food or whatever we want to appear. But even now, we've got 3D printers, so we can basically, it's not edible, obviously, but we can basically make anything that we need Yeah. to a very high level of precision. And let's be honest... People have started processing, processing and making meat in a lab. No one, no animals hurt. They are actually making meat in a lab from a couple of cells from the animal. Oh, wow. That is just... So we're not far off it being able to just miraculously get things made in front of our eyes it's not beyond the realms of possibility clearly so that it just yeah i think it's amazing that all these things that i thought would never happen in my lifetime are all happening right in front of my eyes and i think it's amazing i really do now the last bit of kit i wanted to let you know about and it's one that everyone is having a buzzword about quantum computers. Now, from what I believe, it's not very easy to understand. I'll warn everyone now. But quantum is very, very difficult to do. However, by quantum, they mean extremely small but extremely powerful technology. And it's not one of those that you can do yourself. It's all microscopic. So it's very, very hard hard to do. But IBM has already been making quantum processors. E. 
Now, why this is so significant is because even though we are a long way off doing any anything significant with it, when we are able to, we will not only be able to auto-generate games and stuff like that, we will be able to make AAA games, or should I say, the processor will, without any input from us, and they will be able to make these games as good as any AAA game is made now, and it will be able to be made in half the time. So all we need to do, as humans, is enter in the information, I want to make this type of game, I want to do it in this way, I want to have these mechanics, and within a matter of months rather than years, the game could be made, and it will be made better than a group of 200 humans can do within a few years. Gee. This is why it's so significant, and quantum computing is in its infancy at the moment, but create to IBM because it's not cheap to do, and they are managing to do it. Now, in the New Scientist, that's what the uh, site's called, New Scientist did an article, and I'm going to read a little bit of it out for you, just so you can get a an overview of what it's like. Now, there is a picture of what looks like just a Minecraft world. And this is what he says about it. I'm staring at a bunch of blocky, low-resolution trees on a desert island, and in the distance, dozens of jagged rocks are sticking out of the sea. To anyone who has played Minecraft, the virtual landscape will look familiar. But this one is different, because it was designed and created by a quantum computer. It doesn't look very quantum to me, but that's not really the point. Instead, this is proof of concept by a tech firm, IBM, that hints at how quantum computers can generate scenes, levels, or even complete video games that are better than the ones that we have today. The basic building blocks of a quantum computer are known as quibits. These store information that can be used to perform calculations, yet while the physical properties of an ordinary computer bit can be pinned down exactly, qubits have the element of randomness. To build the island, IBM extracts this randomness and converts it into a height map, essentially a top topographic map of the high and low points within the game's terrain. Trees and other elements we built in the same way that and generating the whole island around take uh, takes around a minute. James Robin Wooten, a member of the IBM team, says a discerning eye can spot this quantumness in the roughness of terrain. Randomness is often used in video games to vary scenes, but it can leave marks that are easy to recognize if you know what you're looking for. Using quantum computers could make those random elements seem more natural. And that is just the basics of it. So, what do you think? you reckon this is going to be the new thing for gaming and for anything else in future? That's the basics? That's just the basic part of it. 
That's running at a low <laughs> level. Oh. Remember, oh, wow. quant- quantum computers are in the infancy. It takes a lot of money just to build one processor. But that is what a very, very basic processor can do when it's been made as a quantum processor. If it can come down in costs, then possibly that could become popularized. That could cut down on development. Yeah, it will. Because this is just the basics. They actually go on to say, if you read the full article, I'll link it in the description. But if you go on to read the full article, it actually states that you can literally... Again, entering the boundaries for the computer of something that you want. It could be a futuristic gun that fires blue bolts. And it will give you more than one different guns that you can look through and go, I want that one. And they are all made original. So they're not like taking bits from different places or anything like that. It will or be different yeah. game assets. Yeah, it'll be a completely original design and it'll say, What about this one? Well, what about this one? And it doesn't take long at all. So yeah, that is quantum computing. Wow. And that is what's being developed right now. Now in my eyes I say Look back to Intel, for example. Mm. And yes, did you know Intel are trying to move into the GPU market? Yes, I did. Yeah, enough about that. (laughs) (laughs) But to be fair, they are a big company now, a big tech company, because back in the, I'd say the early 90s, they started making chips. I think it was late 80s, early 90s, they started making chips. Just computer chips. They make their own chips. Yeah. They started to make them, and then they started to provide them for other companies. And look how far we've come in that 30 years since then. Now, look at the power income. I still remember the Intel Inside 1. Oh my gosh. Issue one and it and it was so unbelievably underpowered. It was just ridiculous. You could put that into any computer now and the computer wouldn't even start. Yeah. It's not powerful enough. I use Windows eleven. Windows eleven wouldn't even boot. Exactly. It's not even compatible. You have to at minimum you'll need a first-gen AMD Ryzen chip in order to boot. Yeah. At minimum. And you got to remember... But anything below that... It, no, all ours no. now have multiple cores. Yeah. This is back when it had one core. And that core wasn't even good. The... We've come so far to the point that Intel has... Now basically putting two CPUs in one. Yeah. You have your performance... Well, you have ten performance cores 
for all your games. And then you have 10 efficiency cores, which is used to run all your background apps. Exactly. So, so. we've come so far in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, precisely. So in another 30 years, just imagine where we're going to be with com uh, quantum computers. Now, obviously, anyone listening to this, if you again, if you've got any more information about this that you would, you think we haven't touched upon, if there's something that you would like to add, or you would just like to tell us a story regarding any of this new technology that will be coming out, feel free to do so. Because for me personally, I find this topic fascinating. Looking into the future and seeing what's been confirmed, what hasn't. What is actually here now that most people don't know about, like the Tesla suit, for example, and the HoloLens, they are available. You can buy them right now. And what we, could be possible? Yeah, what could be possible in the future? I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions. So please, by all means, get in touch and we will read out your questions on the next episode you can get in touch by emailing wertgf at gmail.com or you can click the audio link and send in an audio question which we will play on the next episode so you've got no reason not to and i will look forward to hearing from you but right now it's time that we moved on to the news section of course Ooh, yes and today, uh, it's not a big news section, it's just a small one, but it's going to be all about our new releases, shall we say. The Big News Section. First off, the new releases coming out this week, and this is across every platform, so please be aware. SnowRunner. The game that everyone's been banging on about on PC is now coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, and that is come on yesterday. <laughs> well, as you listen to this, it will be two days ago, because we're, we're recording this right now on Thursday. It will be going live on Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday then you are going to have already seen it being released. It's SnowRunner. It's available on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. So go and give it a try. I don't know if it's going to be optimized well enough for them kind of consoles, but give it a go. Let us know and let us know what you think as well, whether you like it or not. Speaking of Stadia, a new game has just come out on Stadia called Lake. There is one on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC that's being released and it's called Silt. S-I-L-T. It looks pretty good and it's had a 7.75 out of 10 rating. So that name rings a bell. Yeah, it looks like a black and white platformer. It looks pretty good. There is Card Shark that's available on Switch and PC that's being released as on the day of release of this podcast. There is also an iOS and Android one called Diablo Immortal that's being released 
again on the day that this podcast is released, so Friday. Giga Apocalypse is being released on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and Switch. That's releasing Friday. Soldiers, that's another one, which I'm actually quite interested in because, yeah, well, it's just my kind of game from my old past, shall we say. That's PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. That's being released on the Friday 2. And Unexplored 2, The Wayfarer's Legacy. Releasing on Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. Friday. So, yes, there you go. Them are your new releases. Now, as for the latest gaming stories... Yes, I am going to go there. There is another choreographer who is suing Epic Games for using his copyrighted dance moves in a Fortnite emote. Oh, not again. Yeah, I don't know how many times we're going to see this. So many people. I think even Booker T at one point said that they used my likeness in the game. You can... I'm sorry you lost that court case for a reason. You can't just look at a game and say, well, I'm black, he's black, they're copying me. In the same way I can't say, I'm white and he's white, I've got a beard, he's got a beard, (gasps) they're copying me. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. Get a grip. And what if they are copying your dance moves it doesn't matter you don't own a dance move it you haven't got it trademarked so they can copy as many fucking dance moves as they want otherwise you get people going no 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 they stole our night fever dance moves but no no that's that's completely fine isn't it Honestly, for the guy who's suing them, I think just you need to get a grip, mate. I'm I don't not... really understand how Epic Games keeps getting sued for all the dance moves. Exactly. And yet the majority you... of them, I don't, wait, is it the majority or all of them that they won? Oh, they've won them all. They've won all of the dance move copying court cases they've won every single one that's weird because the judges always say the same thing you cannot own a dance move you cannot move your body in a certain way and say that's mine it doesn't belong to you it's not your property and it can and will be copied That's like, well, it's like the Bee Gees dancing to YMCA. And then the village people going, you're not allowed to dance. That's our dance. It, it's not your fucking dance. Just because you made up a dance for your song doesn't mean it belongs to you. It doesn't. And besides, if people are using your dance... Then they go to, oh, look, Fortnite are using his dance. That's it. I understand why it might be awkward for him, but 
You're a fucking dance coach, man. You're a choreographer. Do something else then. That's your job. But anyway, I digress because, yeah, it, people that vex me, they're just looking for more money. Like the guy who tried to sue Red Bull. And he won because Red Bull doesn't give you wings and it says it in the advert. And he won his court case as well. That just blows my mind. Oh, I heard about that one. That's why Red Bull changed the thing to two eyes instead. Yeah, it gives you wings. Yeah. Also, New York Times has bought a game. The game Wordle in a seven-figure deal. So they've paid seven figures just to buy a online game. An online word oh, game. Wow. I, I, I don't know why. I think maybe they put it on... The New York Times might put it on their website. I, I don't know. And the last story. What a fucking surprise. We haven't heard a lot about it recently. But Activision Blizzard are facing yet another walk aw uh, worker walkout. Not surprised, honestly. So, yeah, so they're now trying to uh, walk out because they are sick and tired of it. Did you know the CEO of Activision Blizzard has now been accused of a new rape allegation? That I'm not... Well, that I'm really surprised about. Well, like, apparently... one. Yeah. Apparently, he knew about it and did absolutely nothing. Oh, that, shit. That is, according to a new report, and not only that, but he also tried to rush this uh, deal through, you know, to sell the company. Yeah. He tried to rush that through because if that would have gone through, then he wouldn't have to answer to all of this, like, sexual harassment claims and everything like that in the court. He wouldn't have to deal with it. So that is what he's now been accused of, of rushing that through to try and avoid going to court. Oh, I just thought Microsoft didn't make a bad choice. Oh, I think they made a bad choice when they actually gave him the job. Because... I, anyone Microsoft who bought them out, exactly. Yeah, Microsoft is now in a bunch of legal trouble now. Well, no, it's the actual government. It's the state office that's actually put a stop to it and said, "No, you can't sell your company because you're rushing it through to try and get away with not going to court," which is in effect fraud. So the deal's not off; it's just been placed on hold by the authorities. So Microsoft are not even involved with it. They've got nothing to do with it. They're just waiting to oh. see if it goes through or not. But it's uh I can't I can't remember what his name is, but it's the leader of Activision Blizzard that is actually getting sued for it now. Bobby Kotek. That's the one, yeah. I reckon fuck you mate. You knew shit was going on. You did nothing. And now it's come up to bite you in the ass. You deserve every fucking thing you get. 
How can you sit there, know about a rape allegation, and do nothing about it? How? What kind of man will know about one of their employees getting raped and do nothing? That's disgusting. I don't give a fuck and what your job is. And allegation. Yeah. I just... Uh, yeah. He just needs to go and he needs to get fucking sent down for it. But no for doubt he'll get away from it. I don't want to buy COD games anymore. Well, I didn't want to buy COD games because they've all gone shit. But some people love them. Some people hate them. I remember when everyone used to love COD. Now, oh, yeah. it's 50-50. But that's pretty much it. Now we're just going to move on to our penultimate section. The penultimate section is our shout-outs, of course. But before we get to that, thank you for being here, Taylor. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you coming and talking and giving your impressions about the future of gaming. Is there anything now that we've got through to the end that you're looking forward to more than anything else? I'm still holding on the old treadmill thing. Like oh, I mentioned yes. at the start. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But I, I really like the Tesla suit, you know. Yeah. Maybe I, that's a close second. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'd love to try it. I know there's also that vest... Which is, it looks like a bulletproof vest. It just goes over your head and rests on your back and your chest and gives you them pulses whenever you get shot in a game or something like that. Oh, be haptic suit. I own one. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind trying one of them. But yeah, the suit looks amazing. Even though it's going to be a long time before it becomes affordable to the common man, as we should, as you say. Yeah, was not cheap for me to buy. Yeah. But it wasn't a regretful one for me. Good. Because that's the worst gadget. I guess gadgets. it's just an early adopter tax, basically, as it's called. Yeah. And why not as well? I reckon that would be a really good investment as well. Mm. Especially in the future when you can turn around and say, look what I still got. Yeah, you could basically have bragging rights. Yeah, pretty much. And I guarantee in about 30, 40 years, that will be antique and that will be worth quite a bit. Yeah. Because all old tech tends to be worth quite a bit now. Right, so the shout-outs, my friend. Who do you want to give a shout-out to? I know one of them. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Riku VR. Okay. He's one of my, well, I already mentioned before, he's one of my favorite streamers. Alongside with you as well. I never know so. what to say when you tell me that. <laughs> I, know, I genuinely, I don't know what to say. But thank you. I mean, it means the world to me that people think of me like that. So thank you. As for Riku, yes, I know exactly who you're referring to. And, of course, I've already wrote Johnsy's name down. Because it's Johnsy. Yeah. There's no, it's like me, I'm going to be shouting out, Pixie, of course. 
There is no way I'm not shouting out Pixie. And maybe one day she will come back on as a dual host with me. But I just don't know at the moment. Now, of course, I wanted to give out another shout out to someone who's not been very active recently because he has been working pretty much non-stop. But I love the guy and yeah, hopefully... He will be back to grace us with his presence soon. And I am, of course, talking about the one and only Leech. So, yes, go out there, give him some love. He hasn't been streaming recently because he's been working flat out. But he will be back, don't you worry. Go and give him some love. Tell him that games to sent you. I know he'll appreciate that. But that's it for today. I am going to be back next episode with, of course, another guest and another subject to talk about. If you have got any feedback that you would like to tell us, you can always get in touch. Use the audio link in the description or send an email to wertgf at gmail.com. You can tell us a story, ask us a question that will be answered on next week's episode. Oh, next fortnight's episode, should I say? Or you can just tell us a fact about yourself that you think we might find interesting, funny or entertaining. It's as simple as that. So once again, Taylor, thank you so much for being here, my friend. I really do appreciate it. It was a blast. And to the rest of you, I'm going to bid you lovely fuckers a fond farewell. And I will see you in the next one. Goodbye.